G'day backpackers and welcome to the Australian Backpacking Podcast, where we bring you interviews with seasoned backpackers as well as hostel and tour workers and representatives from within the backpacking industry. Together we discuss travel tips, backpacking must-dos and bring you great promotions to save you time and money. So grab your favourite drink, sit back and enjoy. Let's go. Hey guys and welcome to another episode of the Australian Backpacking Podcast. Today's guest is Chris Harrison. He's very well known and respected within the industry for the media content that he produces that goes out to the industry itself and also to the backpacking community. So Chris, welcome to the show. Could I hand it over to you now to give yourself a bit more of an introduction and tell us a bit more about yourself and what you're currently doing. Hi there guys, yes as Matt said I'm Chris, uh, an ex-backpacker myself, uh, I've been living and working in Sydney now for about 10 years but originally came to Australia as a backpacker um, about 20-25 years ago so I've been w- working in the industry after first coming to Australia um, and then travelled the world like a lot of us do, uh, returned to Australia a number of times and and Matt's introduced me in today to talk a little bit more about both my personal experiences of travel in Australia and a little bit more about some of the, the thoughts I can bring to you guys about what there is to do, etc. Yeah, thanks for that, Chris. One thing we always like to start with on the podcast is talking about our best travelling moments, our best travelling experiences. So, Chris, do you have any uh, travel story you'd like to share with us today about your time travelling Australia, where it was and what made this place unforgettable? Yeah, I've had, certainly had some unforgettable experiences, Matt, um, in travelling around Australia. Um, but one, I suppose, that's fairly iconic and at the same time is, is not an easy one to do. I was fortunate enough to get down to South Australia and travel in Port Lincoln um, and dive with the sharks, dive with the tuna, dive with the sea lions. There's only a few places around the world that you actually get um, those opportunities, particularly the sharks. But I think, I don't know, but I think South Australia and Port Lincoln might be the only place where you can do all three, certainly the way I did it in consecutive days. It's not the easiest place to get to. I think that's one of the things you've got to do sometimes in life is go the hard yards to get what you want to do. Um, it took two flights for me from travelling from Sydney to somebody from overseas. It's going to be three because first you're going to fly to Sydney, then you're going to fly to Adelaide, and then you're going to fly to Port Lincoln. Um, that little third flight's not too difficult. It's on a local airline and um, gets you into a, what is a relatively small regional town. It's an affluent town because it has the tuna industry, um, so it's not suggesting that you're going to be remote and not have access to Wi-Fi, etc. But obviously you go there for the experiences and, uh, and the good food because of the tuna. It's obviously got other um, Coffin Bay oysters and the associated benefits of seafood um, in an area like that. But, you know, there are three companies that, that, that allow you to dive with sharks in Port Lincoln. We, we had the opportunity to dive with one that does, does it on, a, on a, a, the mechanism for getting the, the sharks to the boat is quite unique where they use rock music rather than um, fe- feeding the sharks. The other two companies feed the sharks. Well, that, that's quite a unique experience. I mean, you're not going to get that close to that type of animal that easily, apart from in a, in a, in a location like that. So it's an iconic experience. Um, it's a thoroughly enjoyable experience. It's something that does take a bit of extra work, a bit of extra time, and obviously a bit of extra money. But if you can, as a, a tourist to Australia, do something like that, then it's very fortunate. Yeah, no, Port Lincoln's definitely a beautiful place. I've got a good friend that lives down there, and as you say, it's one of those iconic places in Australia. Just for the people that aren't aware, can you give us a bit more of an exact description of where Port Lincoln is and maybe if you relate it to, say, Melbourne, how far is it away from Melbourne or Adelaide? 
Yeah, sure. Port Lincoln is at the bottom tip of the Eyre Peninsula, and the Eyre Peninsula is a V-shaped peninsula just to the west of Adelaide. It, it doesn't look very big in the scale of Australia, but actually Port the Eyre Peninsula itself is is a huge, huge area. Um, to get there, there are two options. You can either fly from Adelaide as I did, and it takes about an hour. It's an hour directly west of Adelaide, and I would suggest after that probably maybe three hours from from Melbourne. I don't, I'm going to get, yep. not going to get yep. quoted here by Victorians, I hope. But the other alternative is that you drive um, north of Adelaide, uh, take a ferry across the uh, a short ferry across the bite, so you can take a bit of a clip out of the trip because otherwise it's a six or a seven hour trip. Yeah, I haven't researched uh, the name of the township that you arrive in on the Air Peninsula uh, to get there, and then you drive down the Peninsula Coast, which I'm told is, is quite enjoyable to get down to Port Lincoln. The whole trip Adelaide Port Lincoln, if you drive, takes about a day. That's the beauty about Australia, is everything's so close to get to, isn't it? That's right, that's right. <laughs> now, you mentioned that you can dive with the sharks. What what sort of sharks are we talking about here? Because I know that they are quite unique. They're the great whites. I mean, if you're going to dive with sharks, you might as well dive with the big ones, right? So they're, they're four and a half, five metre, uh, if they are female, um, great white sharks that um, spend 18 metres down yep. in the in the Port Lincoln area. I'm just surfing around and actually looking for seals, um, and they're, they're normally looking for um, they're, they're either the, the returning mums or dads coming in after that because it's close to a seal colony, yeah, and right. the pups pups are all on on shore obviously, and the mums and dads are coming back from the ocean to to feed them. And um, the I was there. I have have not only dived with great white sharks. I was actually there when a, a, a couple of times a shark attacked a seal. We saw uh, blood oh, in the wow. water. And we saw the attack take place. So it's a pretty spectacular moment to see a piece of nature. It's a bit, you know, yeah. obviously a relatively gory sight. A, a, a native animal is, is now no longer with us. But, you know, there are reasons for that in nature. And it happens all the time. And to actually see that and experience of that was pretty special. Yeah, I guess, so it's, the, I guess it's a bit of a cool experience to see. But as you say, it's part of nature. And it's how things progress in nature, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's, it's one of those realities of life that for... Uh, a, a, a an animal or, or even a human but an animal particularly to survive in nature it's going to be predominantly eating other animals or in some case herbivores eating plant matter yeah. yeah so what i'll do guys is in the show notes i'll will link to all the companies that do dives down there uh to give you a bit of better of an idea who to go with and how to get there but that's great information chris can you um tell us a bit more about the location down there besides the diving what did you do on your um, on the times that you weren't actually diving, what was there in the town to actually do? Well, I was there a relatively short period of time, as a lot of people are, and I did those three activities all in a three-day period. So, apart from the sharks, I also dived with the sea lions, and I and I had to swim with the with the tuna. The tuna is a very enclosed activity. The tunas are kept in cages, and you actually get into the cage and dive with the tuna. Yep. So, to be on, to be honest with you, there is you know great restaurants, great food. Coffin Bay Oysters, I've mentioned, great, great opportunities for that. Um, there are driving options to, as you leave Port Lincoln to have a, look, have a better look around. There's some, some other activities you can do, but in the time frame I had available, ours were already pre-booked, and so we yeah. were able to do those three iconic activities in a package. And um, you know, I couldn't fault it, but it did mean that I was only there for, for a relatively short period of time. The township itself would be eight, ten thousand 10,000 people. So there is enough to do there and walk around. Plenty of accommodation available, plenty of things to do on your, on your time away from those activities. Um, but at the same time, I think Port Lincoln, people in the tourism sector recognise that that's why you go. 
exactly. And that's why there are three companies doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, and now the feedback I've got is that all those companies are really good at what they do. So is there is there nightclubs and other things that backpackers can experience while they're down there? It's definitely bars. There's a really large bar that um, we went down to. I couldn't tell you the exact times that it was open till whether it turns into a club or something. That's There's right. a, a limited amount of, of backpack style accommodation um, that, that was there. Um, we actually stayed in the brand new YHA um, shortly after it opened. And there was a couple of hotels that offered that type of accommodation and then some higher end properties. As I mentioned previously, the township itself as a result of the tuna fishing is, is quite affluent. Um, so there isn't a shortage of tourism into the area. But the, the, the corner hotel that I, I went into for one of the meals certainly had a... There was a, a big... Uh, I think it was cricket was on that day and there were people in the big screens going on. And plenty happening. Yeah, certainly nice. the township certainly could could do... Uh, you know, had a bit of nightlife. Yeah, beautiful. So moving on from that, Chris, I want to switch to, I guess, a, a topic that's not quite, quite as easy to talk about. But have you ever incurred any problems or obstacles in your travel um, where you've had to find a way to overcome something that you weren't prepared to experience? Yeah, I think one of the, you've touched on it yourself and earlier, Matt, was that just Australia is so big, so spread out, the places you want to get to are a long way apart. So one of the challenges of, of uh, this destination over others is just the actual transportation options and the time that you need to spend in transport. And it's not always feasible to, you know, to fly from, city to city to, to do everything you've actually going to spend a fair bit on a road trip obviously plenty of backpackers um, rent hire or own vehicles to get themselves around plenty of them use other means of public transport to get around but you do find yourself spending a lot of time in different vehicles and I think that's something that, that I was less prepared for um, when I first came here as a backpacker I come from a much smaller country um, the, tra- the diff- routes to get to places would be you know, maximum four to six hours and you've arrived at your destination, you spend the night and you move on somewhere else yeah. or, or you've arrived at your, your campsite or whatever. But certainly in Australia, you can find yourself halfway from somewhere that you want to be to somewhere you want to go to and you haven't got there yet and the night's falling and you've just driven for 12 hours and it's time to stop. So I've had a couple of uh, off-road camping experiences that are, that are better forgotten where you finish up sleeping in the car and it's not particularly comfortable and so forth. So... But that's just a natural part of that time of life. Plenty of people do that. I did have an occasion where I, I caught a bus late at night um, because this isn't the best travel experience. I won't tell you exactly where it is. For yeah. um, <laughs> reasons that will be obvious. But uh, uh, it, it was, it was, the bus ride was fine. It was quite a long one. It was you know, about a 12, 12 and a half hour trip. Got somewhere uh, really late at night. Hadn't pre-booked anything. Wasn't sure where I was going. Um, didn't know the town at all. Arrived in at about sort of it was towards ten thirty eleven o'clock and thought right I'm tired I've just spent twelve and a half hours on a bus I um I don't know this town at all it's now dark I don't know what to do and the bus has just pulled away and so you sit there and go right what are the options you know and I did have a sleeping bag and I and I had a backpack and you know I was relatively self sufficient in that respect and I could move around a bit yeah. so I went for a bit of a walk around this little town and tried to find what what would be the best best next step and. It initially didn't appear to be one. Um, so it's, it became clear that I might have to walk into the nearest churchyard and, and have a sleep for the night. So I started getting organised and getting my stuff out. I had um, some biscuits to eat for that evening and so on and so forth. And it was all looking a bit dark and didn't have a candle, didn't have a torch. Um, but just as I was sort of bedded ready and um, starting to think it's late enough because I was pretty tired, yeah. um, another 
facet of Australia that I still have to get used to is uh, the largest spider I had ever seen in my life. I mean, I've now seen bigger spiders, and I'm not yeah. as scared of spiders as I used to be, but when you're unfamiliar with um, which spiders are good and which spiders are bad, <laughs> and you just... I had this tarantula moment as this spider the size of my hand started moving quite clearly towards what he would thought would be a comfortable bed for the night. Yeah. I I could have done with a bed companion that night evening, but it wasn't going to be a hand-sized spider, so... I packed up pretty damn quickly. I didn't know how many there were going to be, and I started walking around the town once more and, strangely enough, come across eventually the one of the local pubs that still remained open. It must have had a late licence. and okay. was there and found that I could pay, you know, 60 bucks a night for a, for a bed bedroom <laughs> for a night's accommodation, and it was like, well, you're not really given too many options, and <laughs> the alternative was to go back to the churchyard and the spider. So. Yeah, I, I know which one I would have chosen I as prepared, well. Prepared to fork out. It wasn't wasn't money easily spent that time round, but um, it was money well spent. And yeah. um, and then you could you know have a good night. And I woke up a lot fresher and a lot happier for for the for the proper bed. So there are occasions it's worth sleeping out in Australia, and there are just occasions where perhaps it's not a good idea. Yeah, I don't think it matters how long you spend in Australia. You never get quite get used to the spiders. I mean, there's a good chance it was a, probably a huntsman, but um, and I've let them sit up in my room for one or two days and then there's just something about them that makes you feel uneasy you can't quite sleep as well so they've got to go um so you did touch on the point that you weren't from australia whereabouts are you from chris and how long you've been in australia originally a kiwi so um came over i would call it as a backpacker obviously most people when they arrive into australia with knowing a lot of friends and family here we're not traditionally thought of as being backpackers i don't think Um, we're backpackers and we travel to europe but are we backpackers when we travelled to Australia. Certainly I was. I, I bought a backpack, travelled with a backpack and lived as a backpacker in hostels when I first got here and, and, and socialised and coincided with backpacking. It was my first introduction to the backpacking industry and, and came here purely to, to enjoy myself, see a new country, see a new culture, travel a little bit around. I, I bought a car um, in conjunction with, with a, another backpacker, um, travelled part of the east coast by car and um, and then eventually stayed in a hostel for a long period of time in both Sydney and Melbourne. So yeah, great. yeah, yeah. And I, I that was too many years ago, and yeah. I've now been living in Australia for uh, just on ten years. Nice. One thing I will say, backpackers, is I actually didn't know Chris was going to give Port Lincoln as his answer. And like Chris, I actually when I did go to Port Lincoln, I actually flew in there. So make sure that when you listen to these podcasts, head over to the website once you do have time where you'll find all the show notes and I'll put other links in there as to other ways you might be able to access Port Lincoln because not everyone can afford to fly or is lucky enough to fly. So make sure you go and check those show notes out. So Chris, getting on to the company that you work for, can you give us a bit of an insight of what you're currently doing, who you're working for and where they fit into the backpacker sector? Sure, sure. As you alluded to earlier, Matt, the company's consumer-facing brand is called The Word Australia. Um, it's the one that people will see most if they're in Sydney. Uh, we're a publishing uh, media and distribution company working most often in the backpacker space. Uh, we have presence in the majority of, of larger hostels in the Sydney CBD and its surrounding suburbs. So we provide uh, tourist information um, prominently for the youth market in the way of maps when they first arrive here in the airport or in the accommodation, um, in the way of a travel guide, which is a little 48-page guide that you can just pick up. It's got a map of Sydney. Gives you a few ideas, gives you a few entry points to welcome to, 
and then gives you some ideas. And the second half of the product is really important for people traveling in Australia. It's got ideas about what other things they can do around Australia, which is, you know, South Australia, as I've mentioned, but also has a Queensland section, which talks about all the way up to the Whitsundays and Cape Tribulation. It's got sometimes sections on Melbourne and Northern Territory. And that's in the travel guide, is that correct? Yeah, it's called yeah. the Word uh, Sydney Guide and Map. Yep. And it's in over 500 locations in Sydney, and it's also up online on an issue site. If you were to Google issue Sydney Guide and Map, you'd find the latest edition of the guide. Yep. And I, I do believe there's another arm to your business, is that correct? Yeah, as I alluded, we're also publishers, but we're also distributors. We have a, a business arm called uh, Sydney Brochure Distribution. It's a service rather than a product, so it's something we provide on behalf of tourism operators, whether they be accommodation outside of Sydney, activity providers or tour operators. Um, so they provide us with sometimes called flyers or leaflets. We call them yep. brochures, yep. and they can be single-sided or uh, multi-page products that we put into a, a consistently-sized rack. Um, we have 150 of these racks all over Sydney. Um, that provide tourist information on a free of, a free of charge basis. So everything that we offer, whether it be a mapper guide or a brochure service, is free of charge to the to the consumer. Where our responsibility to our clients is to get as many much of this product into the hands of consumers as possible. And the racks is one vehicle with which we do that. And uh, you know, the clients come to us because that's the object of the exercise: is to drive as much traffic as possible from those resources to the web, so they can make online bookings or do online research. Yeah, no, I think we've all seen those brochure racks and at times have been very thankful for them. There's some great information out there and one thing that we always say on the podcast is do your research and there's probably no better way than to use those tools that uh, Chris and his company put out there for you guys. So make sure you look for those brochure racks and read up on the information. Chris, is there any website or uh, contact details you'd like to share with the backpackers that they can access some of these guides online? Yeah, sure. The, um, the one that I just mentioned previously, and I'll give you the details perfectly as a URL, is yep. issue, which is issuu.com forward slash Sydney Guide and Map. That's a publishing site that offers a template for all of this uh, publishing products that we produce. We then upload them as a PDF onto online. So it's another uh, distribution resource that we use to reach out to the market. So the current edition of the Sydney Guide and Map, we produce that product quarterly, is now in market. It's our, our autumn guide, and um, we're in production in the office at the moment of the of the winter guide, and that'll be uploaded in about the first week of June. So it's about two months away. Okay, awesome. So yet again, guys, because most of you are probably listening to this on a bus or a train um, or in a car and might not have a pen handy, make sure you head to the show notes where all that will be listed for you. So I'd like to thank you for your time, Chris. Um, just in finishing, do you have one final bit of advice to offer the backpacking community? Yeah, I think some of the things that I've become aware of over time, which is slightly different to the experience that I had for backpackers um, coming to Australia, is um, if the opportunity arises, just try and slow down. Um, so much of the stuff that you guys are doing is pre-booked these days. So much of the stuff that you guys are doing is, is at a fast pace. I think the object of the exercise and the greater difference between backpacking or traveling and, uh, and being a tourist or a holiday maker is that you're not on that tight time frame of I've got a week, I've got two weeks. That's the job of full-time employees like Matt and myself where we only get four weeks of the year to go off and have a holiday and all we want to do is sit on a couch and sit on a beach. Um, you guys have a real opportunity to experience it the way that I did 
which is um, to just do things anecdotally, do things that you can. The experiences I've had of backpacking, um, some of the better ones have been the people I've met, some of the better ones have been by changing my itinerary or changing my plans based on those people that I've met. You know, I've um, met people on the road and, and stopped in couches and, and stopped and met people over time, and, and those are the most enjoyable things. And I think the, the illusion I have through social media is that people are trying to meet locals. It's, it's not the easiest thing to try and meet locals. You try and meet Australians. Um, but that's where your better experiences will come from. And it becomes a more determining factor of what you do in life is you, the great opportunity. So just take that opportunity. You might only have six months. Some of you may be here for two years. I'm not sure. But um, just take the opportunity to meet as many people as possible and, and enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I, I say to everyone, there's you know so many hostels pinpointed around Australia. And hostels don't just appear for no reason. They're there because there's something to experience. So, yeah, look past the Sydneys and the Byrons, even though they're great destinations and destinations you have to experience. Look at some of the more unique experiences and make sure you go check them out. Well, anyway, Chris, I'd like to thank you for your time. And it was my pleasure, Matt. Thank you for the opportunity. No problem. And, uh, guys, just remember, keep researching your travels, keep enjoying your travels, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Well, guys, thanks again for joining us today. And remember to get involved in the podcast and the community. Uh, we've got the community group that we've set up on Facebook, which can be found at Facebook forward slash groups forward slash Australian Backpacking Podcast. Share the podcast amongst your friends. Talk about it. Also, remember to head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave me a rating and review. I know it takes a couple of minutes to do, but I really appreciate when people do. Also, interact with me so either on facebook or email me directly if you have questions or things you'd like to hear on the podcast shoot them through and i'm going to do my best to produce them for you and also any other articles or contents you'd like me to produce if you have something that would really help you in your travels let me know that's what i'm here for to help you out so get involved communicate with me and we're going to make this a great community i want to thank you again for your time and i'll talk to you next episode bye for now